Good morning, 606 here on the all-new This Morning with Jay Lynn and Daryl as we head into week 12 of our of our partnership on the air with you, because that's the way that works. It's with you. You can get a hold of us anytime, by the way, at 780-496-0063 as we kick things off this morning, uh, talking about body-worn cameras for police officers. Mm. Um, the RCMP saying that it's expecting its officers in three parts of the country to start field-testing body-worn cameras in the coming days. Nova Scotia, Nunavut, and Alberta. This is where it's happening. But here's the thing. Mm. In Alberta, the provincial government announced just a couple of months ago that body-worn cameras would become mandatory for all officers working in the province. So that still has to be rolled out. And it, it's still it's hard to wrap your head around the fact, you know, there's, they're going to go out and test them. Well, what's to test? These body-worn cameras have been used now for years in a variety of jurisdictions, but it depends on who you talk to mm-hmm. about whether they are worth the cost investment for what they offer. These days, it seems like transparency is king, and whatever can help to create that feeling that we are seeing a transparent police service, mm-hmm. then it works. So why don't we dive into it with uh, someone who actually specializes in the area of, of information technologies and how they relate to police work. He's a sociology professor at Brandon University in Manitoba. His name's Chris Schneider, and he's joining us uh, this morning. Thanks, Chris. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Good morning to you both. So let's start just overall. You know, I, I, I'm, you have some interesting thoughts on, on body warden cameras, and I think that a, a, a lot of folks out there, just, you know, general public, when they hear about it, think, yeah, no, this is a good idea. We want uh, police to be more accountable. We want to be able to see what's on uh, that tape uh, during those interactions. Maybe it will help both sides. But you're like, well, there's some downsides to this as well. Your overall opinions on body-worn cameras for police officers. Well, there are some downsides. Let me start first thing. I also, like the public, want to be in love with the idea mm-hmm. of body-worn cameras. And so there's where it ends. We need to be critical of that. So <laughs> first of all, when we look at the cameras themselves, the most uh, commonly worn cameras concerning their efficacy, whether or not they work or don't, um, is the police use of force and civilian complaints, right? So the idea is that if cops are strapped with these cameras, that police use of force and especially brutality is going to go down because the officers know that, you know, they're being recorded. And if uh, people are interacting with police officers and they know the camera is filming them, they're, they're more likely to comply with police commands and uh, sort of less likely to do things that, you know, run away or, or assault a police officer. Uh, that's the idea. And these cameras are being rolled out largely on the basis of beliefs and assumptions about how the camera technology influences human behavior. Mm-hmm. We, know, we know, however, though, that uh, oftentimes when police officers interact with, with citizens, there's a variety of things going on, right? There might be uh, substance abuse issues, mental health issues, uh, all types of things that would influence the, the, you know, how the interactions go, go down. Sometimes the cameras can become dislodged. They don't show everything. So those are the two things they're tested. All right. Now, moving beyond from that, um, the evidence so far is, is mixed, the scientific evidence. So the, the, the first pilot project was called the Rialto study, Rialto, California. And that was done in uh, about 2013, 2000- Chris, sounds like we just lost you here. Let's try and get you back on the line. And, uh, yeah, yes. sir. Oh, oh, there no, you are. There you are a little bit. So you are, you are, you are cutting in and out again. Uh, just uh, just say hello to us again. Let's see if you're coming through. 
Yes, hello. Am I coming through? I apologize okay, for that. There you, there you are. Okay, yes, we indeed, were talking are. about the study, that, study. Uh, that 2013 study, the Rialto study. The Rialto study, yes. So that, that found that officer use of force and civilian complaints both decrease. That's good. Since then, there have been numerous replication studies, and the results have been mixed, right? Mm. Sometimes, sometimes force goes up when the cameras are present, inexplicably. Uh, the, the authors of that study could not explain that. Mm. In other circumstances, there's no difference, statistically, right? So including in Edmonton, their police service found that there was no difference between cops wearing cameras and cops not wearing cameras. So, I mean, if you were going to spend, say, $100,000 on a new car, it was going to work sometimes, but not other times, would you spend that hundred grand? Most people would say no. And with the with body worn cameras, we're talking about sometimes tens of millions of dollars, yeah. depending on the size of the service. And they kind of sort of work, but then don't. That's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Professor, I don't, you know, and maybe this is just from my point of view, so it could be completely out of left field. I never think of the cameras as something to impact human behavior, perhaps on the police officer side, because, yeah, there is that oversight that could end up coming back. But as far as, as, a, as a potential perpetrator or an individual or private, I, I, that never occurred to me that that would be a guiding factor. To me, it's all about what happened. Show us a view. And I know it's not all of the view of what happened, but at least it's more information. That's a good thing. Again, yes, in principle, absolutely. So another issue with the cameras is the, the uh, way of speaking about the cameras has shifted from the efficacy of them to discussing accountability and transparency, which you know at the top of the segment. Uh, one of the problems with those words is currently not scientifically tested. So we don't know if the cameras actually lead to increased accountability and transparency. Right now, those words are buzzwords. And there's little agreement between uh, police administrators, members of the public, uh, civilian you know, watchdog agencies on what those things mean. And we start to unpack that uh, regarding police misconduct and accountability. Currently, police really haven't been, and this is police sort of writ large across you know, North America who's used these devices, they haven't really been forthcoming about police misconduct when it's captured. Largely, the public, we hear about it, is uh, through court proceedings, right, with introduced as evidence, then we might hear about it, uh, or through social media, yeah. right? If a video records officers, and it's problematic for transparency, right? Because transparency is characterized by visibility. So one thing the police need to do is be proactively transparent and need to tell the public about their officers engaging in misconduct before we find out through court or social media. We haven't seen a whole lot of that. Um, so, I mean, that, that's one issue with transparency. Chris Schneider joining us this morning. He's a sociology professor at Brandon University. Chris, so, you know, when we talk about accountability then uh, for police accountability, and if, and if the cameras aren't the ideal for that, what would you suggest? Question, um, one. And this is something that I think is worth the cost that there is cost to the public. And this is one that the police administrators, police groups do. And this is to have or require police officers to carry personal liability insurance. Hmm. So the idea is that body-worn cameras per police misconduct. As you noted, uh, police officers aren't going to engage in brutality because they know that it's recording. Uh, but we find that it still is, right? It has not deterred that. If officers, if we required them to carry personal liability insurance, similarly to the way, in, say, medical doctors do, that officers who have increased, and I'm talking like an officer is guilty of police misconduct or police brutality, their premiums would go up. Mm-hmm. And eventually that officer could not afford to pay those premiums any longer. And then they would be weeded out and we'd nothing other than good police officers and would cost the public basically nothing because they wouldn't have to pay for that. It would be incumbent upon the officer to pay 
liability insurance. So that's one response. That's an interesting uh, one. Yeah, I'd never hadn't heard of that one as, as a possibility. And I can see where there would be arguments about, uh, you know. <laughs> anyway, yeah, you know that that would be. Has there been any sort of, rece- you've said that police uh, organizations have not been receptive to that. I haven't heard of that being pushed anywhere, uh, or has it just not got any attention? It got a little bit of attention after the police murder of George Floyd, but it was sort of at the periphery. Uh, the, the national and international conversations were around uh, reform, defund, and abolish the police. Mm-hmm. And sort of within that, you found some of that being discussed by, by lawyers and um, other people, you know, were pushing that. But it didn't get a lot of popular press, no. Yeah. Chris, just before we let you go here, one more question. So as this rollout happens with with the RCMP, and you've heard about what uh, the province here in Alberta has said that, you know, they're, they're going to mandate all officers wearing, what are you watching for? What will you be watching for in the coming months as, as this rolls out? Uh, I mean, first and foremost, it's complicated in Alberta because, you know, the, the RCMP and the relationship to Ottawa and sort of, forcing the RCMP. I mean, they're already kind of doing it right now, so mm-hmm. I'm going to be interested to see how the different municipalities are going to be rolling out the cameras. And then also, as we know, with, you know, Indigenous policing and different uh, jurisdictions, different uh, funding available to them. So I'm going to look for, uh, you know, whether or not the Alberta government is going to be funding these police services and are, will they be funding them indefinitely or will mm-hmm. they be giving them a small pile of money to start off Again, buying the, the devices themselves is relatively um, expensive. It's, it's maintaining the data. Absolutely. And, and, so that term here. and is it going to be sustainable for police services in Alberta who don't have access to the resources? Mm. Good stuff. Chris Schneider, thanks so much for your time this morning. Good chatting with you. Appreciate your perspective. Thank you, guys. Yeah, take care now. So here's the thing, you know, in Calgary, the Calgary Police Service uh, has had body-worn cameras on their officers since 2019. Yeah. 29 has been mandated in that, uh, in that city. Edmonton, you can you can read a little bit more if you go online about what they've done. They did the test pilot. The, the police chief supports it, mm-hmm. but, you know, says, again. It costs money. It, it costs not a just lot of money. The cameras, but also the information technology oh. and the training of civilians or officers the, the, all in the training of it, too. It's a lot of cash. storage, it's huge. And again, the great question is, who's paying for it? And is it worthwhile? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of both.